Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Brian Kilmeade. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, February 5th, 2024, on Mike Emanuel. The Senate is planning to go forward with bipartisan legislation addressing the border crisis this week. The House is due to proceed with impeachment of the point person for the border, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. There has to be a change, whether it's impeachment, resign, a different person. House Republicans have to keep pushing. We speak with Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez. And Lisa Brady. Another batch of strong readings for the U.S. economy, but not everyone's feeling it. They still feel like when they go to the grocery store, when they go to the gas station, prices are higher than they were in 2019. And I'm Tammy Bruce. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The Senate this week's expected to take up bipartisan legislation addressing the border crisis. President Biden insists he needs help from Congress. I got all I can do. Give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got it off. Give me the border patrol. Give me the people. Give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. Former President Trump told Fox's Maria Bartiromo he's worried the Senate bipartisan compromise is a bad deal. Why weren't they releasing it earlier than that? Because it's no good, and it's no good for the Republicans. And frankly, any Republican that signs it should be ashamed of himself or herself. The House is due to hold the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas accountable for failures at the border with an impeachment vote this week. Mayorkas told lawmakers last April 19th there was no crisis at the border. It is my testimony that the border is secure and we are working every day, day and night, to increase its security. There's also been a military response in recent days to three U.S. soldiers killed by Iran-backed proxies. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has made clear the White House does not want full-blown war with Iran. The president doesn't want to see a broader conflict in the Middle East, and we're not looking for a war with Iran, and I'll bet you the American people don't want that either. We're going to do what we have to do to hold them accountable. Some worry the Biden administration has gone too far in telegraphing the U.S. military airstrikes in Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. If you are truly going to neutralize your adversaries, you don't tell them ahead of time what you're going to do. You just do it. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez served in the Navy for 20 years. I get it. I, they're trying to you know, de-escalate the situation, but bombing empty warehouses to make Americans feel as if you're having a response, that isn't going to make Americans any more safe abroad or back at home. You have to use real tangible measures. And oh, by the way, not everything has to be a Tomahawk missile either. Uh, having spent uh, my career as a cryptologist, it's time to take the gloves off in the cyber realm. That's where you can really do some damage and not put our troops in harm's way. 
Back here at home, obviously, the border crisis has been a major, major topic, and it affects your district probably more than anybody. Can you give our audience an indication of just the impact the border crisis has had on your district in South Texas? Yeah, of course. Uh, we are. I represent two-thirds of the Texas-Mexico border and nearly half of the overall southern border. We are absolutely exhausted. Uh, there is not one community that I represent that hasn't been impacted by this in a real way, not just on TV. A, a family member has been killed or property has been damaged or someone's child has been in uh, lockdown when there was a high-speed chase. So everyone is, is overall exhausted, and the numbers can't – can't put a put a, a a story to it, and so uh, the folks in my district they're going, hey Tony, I just want this to end. Enough with the politics. Enough with uh, you know uh, who's going to be the next president or who's going to who's whose fault it is. They just want real tangible solutions. And the other thing too is they don't feel safe uh, here in San Antonio is a prime example where you know the migrant center that's downtown before no one knew where it was. You would have to mm-hmm. kind of Google it and find it. Now everyone knows where it is because it's busting at the seams and people are everywhere in El Paso. It's the same way. People just don't feel safe and it's not it's not fair to us the house gop is planning to move forward with its impeachment vote for homeland security secretary alejandro mayorkas where do you stand on the push for impeachment yeah i I support impeaching mayorkas uh and we came up a little short in november i will you know i will say i I don't i'm not one of these people that thinks we should immediately impeach uh, that's where that's where I've always been. Hey, impeachment is in case of emergency, break glass. And and uh, we try to work. We try to change some of the policies and try to hold the administration accountable is, is the best way I can put it. And the administration continues to do to, to feel as if they've done nothing wrong. Whether you agree with impeachment or not, you look at December. Over 300,000 people have come over illegally. So whatever the administration is doing, they should stop doing that and do something different. On the House standpoint, I've had some people tell me, oh, great, Tony, y'all should have impeached him a year ago. What is this going to accomplish? Well, what, first off, what it's going to accomplish, it's going to show that House Republicans are united in making sure there's change uh, at the White House, and and they're going to hold the administration accountable. Uh, the, the 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 point that really uh, changed it for me is when is when I've had to talk with American citizens that were that had their family members killed because of these high speed chases. So there has to be a change, whether it's impeachment, resign, a different person. We got House Republicans have to keep pushing the administration until there's policy changes. President Biden said recently he's done all he can when it comes to solving the border crisis. What do you make of those comments and what has the administration done, if at all, to address the crisis? You know, my 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 mouth dropped when I heard that, you know, here you are the leader of the free world. You're the president of the United States. I, I get it. You know, maybe you don't have an immigration package that you'd like to have. But guess what? Neither has any other uh, president the last three decades. And they all managed to secure the border. So I mean, it just it's it's painful to watch. And it also shows me that we cannot be waiting on the White House. The White House isn't going to solve this. We, so so Congress has to be vocal and push. Uh, and we got to go. One, we have to use the power of the purse. I sit on the Appropriations Committee. Uh, you can't just cut everything. You got to determine what is working and, and give resources to that. Find out what's not working and minimize that. 
The other thing, too, is how the House Republicans have to play a, a greater role in foreign in foreign affairs. Uh, I traveled just a couple of weeks ago with a delegation, bipartisan delegation to Mexico City. We visited with the president of Mexico. We visited with the two leading candidates uh, who are going to replace uh, uh, President Lopez Obrador in June uh, is when they have their big election. So this is where House Republicans have to be vocal on the foreign policy standpoint as well. What have they done? They have started. They understand that they're under the gun. They, uh, the, the Biden administration knows that, that it's an election year and they've got to do something. They have started to work with Mexico and, and try to get a partner there. Uh, and Mexico is starting to do more than it did before. But it's almost as if I feel as if the cartels are carrying the Biden administration a couple of rounds. So this uh, this doesn't stop. Former President Trump's been vocal, calling for Republicans not to budge an inch on immigration. Your thoughts on the former president's take and can your district wait until next year? Yeah, I think I get the president's point. I mean, his point is, hey, look, I didn't have any. I had a a Congress that was fighting with me. I didn't have Mm -hmm. a Congress that was helping deliver this uh, any kind of comprehensive or, or in any kind of border package. And I was able to secure it just I was able to secure the border just fine. And I think he's right. I mean, it, you know, the, the Biden administration can do something absolutely today in order to do it. But from a Congress standpoint, Congress should. Uh, it's long overdue that we do our part and we shouldn't just be throwing rocks at the president and saying, oh, look what a terrible job you're doing. We all know he's doing a terrible job, but this has to end. People are dying from fentanyl every single day. You've got the smuggling that's happening, the human smuggling uh, turmoil that's happening. And then a district that's like mine, we want this to end now, not a year from now. They have their own problems in the Senate. We have our own problems in the House. But it's a long time. We, we, set, we, we come together and we find something that's meaningful. Doing nothing is not an option. But doing something just to say you did something is also not an option. As conflict continues in the Middle East, do you have a concern there may be terrorists crossing into the United States through our southern border? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Clearly, there's already terrorists, uh, you know, over 300 folks on the terrorist watch list that have crossed over. Uh, think back to 9-11. It only took 19 people. And they use they use visas the correct way. You know, anyone we, we don't know who's coming into our country. It, it, I, it feels as if I'm living deja vu. You know, the U.S. right before 9-11, the USS Cole got bombed. The embassies in Africa got bombed. Clinton's response was tomahawks to Afghanistan. No one ever heard of, never ever heard of Al-Qaeda before. So everyone is kind of dismissing this, right? Dismissing the Houthis, dismissing these Iranian-backed militias, which are about 100 of them. We can't take that for granted. And it's, it's, it's all fun and games until Americans at home are being killed. It's why it's so important we have to have a border security package that alleviates some of the, the, the stress and makes us safe today. House Speaker Mike Johnson is promising a vote this week on an Israel-only funding bill. The Senate's working on a measure that would address the border. And there's also been talk of funding Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Your thoughts on Israel-only funding? My thoughts are, you know, we should have probably done this originally. You know, Israel is our strongest ally in the Middle East. And uh, we and they're they're fighting their their conflict. What happened on October 7th, the longer we go on, the more people are going to forget that. 
and and we can't we can't uh, we can't leave them hanging. We have to give them all the resources they need to eradicate Hamas. And so this should have been I think this should have been done months ago. Uh, now, the, the, as far as Ukraine it goes for Ukraine too, our allies in Ukraine, blank checks aren't going to solve the problem. But we got to give them the resources in order to fend off. The Russians that have been, uh, you know, aggressive and, and, and invading their country, just like you got to give resources for border security that makes sense. Deportation flights, surging immigration judges, getting Border Patrol agents back out in the field. All that makes sense in Congress, though. When you find something that makes sense, you usually try to hold it hostage. To your point, um, it feels like we haven't heard much from the commander in chief about what he wants in Ukraine in terms of what victory might look like. We launched these airstrikes in recent days to, you know, respond to American soldiers being killed in the Middle East. What about hearing from the president about any of this stuff? This is the scary part, Mike, and it's a good point is, you know, having spent 20 years in the military, you're used to the commander in chief going, hey, we're going left, we're going right, we're going up the middle, whatever it is. They seem just, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know if they know what the plan is. And then everything that's happened recently with Secretary Austin and, you know, it's, it's all a mess. And so that's all fun and games if you're, you know, running a different department. But if you're running the Department of Defense, that has to be a well-oiled machine because our adversaries are absolutely watching everything we do. And when you send a half-hearted measure to Syria and, and, and just say, hey, don't, don't, kill, don't, do, don't kill Americans again or else, that's not going to get the job done. It has to be. I don't want another war. I spent. I fought in two wars. I want to prevent a war. But once again, there's instruments that we can use, like cyber, that can really uh, put the screws to our adversaries that, that we're not using. Congressman Tony Gonzalez of the great state of Texas, grateful for your time, sir. Safe travels. Thank you, Mike. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. 
I'm Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent and New York Times bestselling author. Join me for my brand new podcast, Searching for Heroes. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. This is Tammy Bruce with your Fox News commentary coming up. The U.S. economy keeps surprising the experts. Employers adding 353,000 jobs in January, nearly double what economists predicted. And that follows a string of other positive reports, including fourth quarter economic growth of more than 3 percent. This isn't making the Fed's job any easier. Inflation has eased from its highs, and this has come without a significant increase in unemployment. That's very good news. But after their latest meeting last week, Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell also called it unlikely they would start cutting interest rates at their next meeting in March. Inflation is still too high. Ongoing progress in bringing it down is not assured. And the path forward is uncertain. Meaning the Fed needs more time to be sure the fight to cool inflation is working. And that was before the blowout jobs report. So far, the economy's resiliency also isn't adding up for President Biden, whose poll numbers remain low on the issue. In new Fox News polls in Georgia and Wisconsin, more than four in 10 voters say they're falling behind financially. It's hard to trust the data because when you talk to people on the ground, they are still fighting inflation. Taylor Riggs is co-host of The Big Money Show on Fox Business. They still feel like when they go to the grocery store, when they go to the gas station, prices are higher than they were in 2019. Now, the rate of those increases are slowing, but the overall level of prices are still higher. That being said, all of these economic models are showing us that the economy is strong. I found a fascinating report from an economist who emailed me and he said 89% of U.S. household debt is fixed rate. So that is why we're not feeling the effects of the Fed trying to tighten the economy or trying to push us into a recession. Because if you bought a house and you have a 3% mortgage, even though mortgage rates have gone up, you're still paying your 3% mortgage or your car or your auto loan or your credit card. So I think that's sort of the push pull that we have right now is some consumers feel okay if they locked in those low rates and they're able to pay off their bills. Other consumers then go to the grocery store and they still feel like, wait a minute, all of my prices are still higher. It is such a paradox or it feels like such a paradox that people do keep spending and it maybe it's not, you know, all people. Um, but when so many people are still struggling, are there certain things that are hitting people the hardest when it comes to why they still feel like they're mm -hmm. struggling, even as things improve overall with inflation, the rate of it at least coming down. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. We still feel like consumer staples, right? The staple things that we need every single day, people are still going to buy those. They may not buy the fun discretionary items, like maybe not beauty or maybe not the fun expensive items, but they're still very much having to buy those basic staple items. Um, we're in earnings season now, so I think we're going to hear a lot from companies like Walmart, like Target, how they see shifts in the consumer habit. But I think a lot of these staples, again, you're seeing a lot of trading down. Um, and I don't like that word, but if I used to be able to afford steak, I'm now buying chicken because it's cheaper and it's more affordable, but I still have to feed my family. So those are kind of the behaviors that we're still tracking. Um, and I'm curious to see if we start to hear that again. 
But we know from the retail sales figures and from the holiday shopping season, right, that people are at least some of the time spending Mm -hmm. on things that aren't staples, Mm -hmm. and that's translating into a lot more debt. Are we digging ourselves, you know, a hole that could swallow economic recovery because of that? Household debt, as long as people continue to see wage gains, they can start to pay off that debt. But it was so interesting. We had a financial advisor on our show the other day, and she said the number one rule rip up the credit card. Because if you can't solve one problem of paying off debt while creating the same problem of buying more debt. Um, I think the scary thing is, is when you start to see within that credit card data, people putting groceries on credit cards, where that's when you start to really get worried about the consumer if they now can't even pay off some of the basic items that they need. On a bigger level, we could talk about the U.S. debt, which sounds sort of big and scary, and a lot of people don't understand how it relates to them on the ground. The only thing I will say is you have really smart people like Jamie Dimon, who runs J.P. Morgan Chase. He is even saying in the last few weeks, this doesn't look good. We have a debt problem. We have a deficit problem. We have a spending problem. And that could come to your earlier question, sort of this economic big picture collapse. I don't know if that's two years away or 20 years down the road, but it is certainly something that we're all talking about. The Fed chief says he is not ready to declare victory on inflation. Um, He certainly seems to be in a no-win situation with this with the markets because Wall Street was kind (laughs) of hoping the Fed was going to start cutting rates Uh at its next meeting in March, right? And then very disappointing when he called that unlikely. Um, Maybe an elusive soft landing is possible after mm-hmm. all. What is that and why is it so hard to achieve? Yeah, good question. So a soft landing and sometimes I hate Wall Street because we use all this jargon and people at home were thinking, what the heck is a soft landing? It is getting us out of this massive inflationary spiral that we all just experienced the last four years, getting us down off of that without pushing us into a recession. If we go into a big recession, that is the hard landing. No one likes that. That's tough. People lose jobs. If that's the only way, though, to bring down inflation, the Fed will do that. If they cut rates too soon, inflation will reaccelerate. The consumer will keep respending and we'll be right back to where we were. We don't want that. You have to get inflation under control. You really want a stable, healthy economy. Has inflation at about 2% over the long run. We're still at 3%. And so it's too early. And I think that's what the Fed was signaling is markets, hold off, stop trying to pressure me into March. We really need to make sure that we're confident that inflation really has come down for a long period of time. Housing prices, and I know housing costs in general have been part of the equation with what's really hurting consumers overall, right, in terms of other prices coming down, but not. But now housing prices have started to come down lately, mm-hmm. right, in, in, at least in some areas. And I know construction of multifamily units has also been on the rise, which helps on the supply side. Um, is there any indication, though, that those kinds of trends can continue at this point? My biggest takeaway is I haven't really seen a recession without first getting a housing recession or a construction recession first. So I don't understand how people think that we're going to get this hard landing, a recession's coming if the housing market was holding up. Now that you're starting to see housing prices cool off a little bit, frankly, that's exactly what the Federal Reserve wants because you had seen this huge boom into the suburbs during covid 
housing prices, particularly in the South East and the Southwest, and even frankly, the middle of the country had all been rising as people sort of got away from the cities and moved to the Sunbelt states. But when people start to hear um, terms like a housing bubble or overpriced homes or bidding wars, it's very reminiscent to people and reminds them a lot of what happened. So I think it's good that prices are starting to come down just a little bit. All of the tension overseas um, doesn't seem to have been rattling the markets too much so far, even with oil prices. There have been some few spikes, but it's not like we've hit $100 a barrel. Um, What can people do to help brace their finances, though, for any potential shocks from things like fighting overseas or even an election year, which can tend to, you know, have a bearing on things, too? I think so far we've been pleasantly surprised about the lack of reaction on prices of goods. One way that I do this is I track the cost of a 40-foot container that goes from Shanghai to LA or Shanghai to Rotterdam. It went from $1,000 per 40-foot container to $4,000 after all of this disruption in the Red Sea. That sounds scary, except I haven't seen those prices come in to my grocery store yet. They haven't seen them in Walmart. I haven't seen those prices in Target. So the suppliers and the producers are paying higher shipping costs, but I haven't seen that trickling yet to how you and I go to the grocery store and see higher costs. Now, you could say those costs are coming. Give it two months. Everything operates at a lag. So if you're a consumer at home, I would just budget accordingly. Prices may come up. Um, but so far, so good. We haven't seen them yet. Lastly, tax filing season mm-hmm. is uh, underway. Um, long way to go still till the deadline in April for most people. Um, any quirks, though, the taxpayers should be aware of this time? You know, I don't know if these are quirks, but... Um you know, I always operate differently. Some people can file early. I think there's one good thing about this tax season. If you file early, you should hopefully get your refund earlier. Um, I think we just in the last year gave the IRS $80 billion. Customer service hasn't really improved. I don't think that the calls being answered have gone up a whole lot. I think on the Republican side, they're trying to claw back about $20 billion of that because they don't want to fund more government programs um, to target middle-class people to do more audits on our taxes. Um, You want to target people who are trying to evade taxes in an illegal and irresponsible way. So if you file early, I think that you can still try to get your refund early, assuming the IRS gets it together and they all are doing their part as well. Um, Another thing with some of those estimates that you pay for next year, you don't have to pay those all at once. I think there's a quarterly schedule for those. So you can pay those every quarter if you don't want to put out the lump sum and pay estimates for the next year. Just mark your calendar so you don't forget and make sure that you file those quarterly and you don't get dinged. Taylor Riggs, co-host of The Big Money Show on Fox Business. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. 
Here's a look at the week ahead. Tuesday, a new law takes effect in Texas aimed at cracking down on illegal immigration. The bill signed by Republican Governor Greg Abbott in December would increase the minimum sentence from two years to 10 years for smuggling immigrants or operating a stash house. Thursday, the Supreme Court will hear arguments over whether former President Donald Trump can be kept off the primary ballot in Colorado. The state Supreme Court disqualified him, arguing he violated the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment in the Constitution. The former president's lawyers argue his First Amendment rights are being violated. Friday, if you want to own a piece of the Rocket Man himself, today is opening day to place a bid on items being auctioned off by Christie's from Elton John's Atlanta home. Sunday, it's a rematch of 2020 with the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs won the previous matchup. The halftime show will be performed by Usher. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Tom Graham, Fox News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tammy Bruce, what's on your mind? Every now and then, we get excellent news on the culture war front. The last week of January was one of those times when a joint legislative committee of Maine's House and Senate killed the now infamous LD-1735, a bill that would have incentivized and protected trafficking of minors into the state for the purpose of gender, quote, transitions. In a previous column on this subject over at AMAC.us, I detailed the madness of this bill, which, among other shocking revelations, would have enshrined into state law the right of the government to take custody of -of out-of-state children whose parent or parents were opposed to transgender ideology. Originally, the bill was expected to pass, but it was killed by a unanimous bipartisan 12 to 0 vote. What happened? You happened. Parents and people who care about kids happened. Maine lawmakers heard from people all around the country as the issue and the bill were discussed on social media, talk radio, and cable news. Suddenly, the light was turned on, and the left's narrative was exposed as a fraud with all their euphemisms and newspeak, meant to obscure and even lie about the bill's true intention. While this particular version of the bill is dead, expect it to return like Frankenstein's monster. They will change a few words or sentences and stitch together some word salad, but their goal will remain the same, weaponize children and the transgender issue to further their horribly dangerous goal of an expanded bureaucratic state with uncontested control of the nation's children. While the defeat of the main bill is good news in itself, it also must serve as inspiration for our advocacy for children to continue. This bill was not organic, nor was it a one-off. It is part of a nationally organized effort by leftist entities to use children in their grab for power. We now know, courtesy of the magnificent response to the main bill, that pushback and resistance works, even without a formally organized opposition. Getting the word out through social media, news sites, and podcasts is key and illustrated by the reaction in Maine. 
The left never stops, and we must remain vigilant. The main success is an example of what can be done when we even loosely organize. Americans come together when much is at stake, especially when it comes to children. This is Tammy Bruce. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.